0: How do you feel, all right? I'm starting to feel good too. I'm with you. Let me tell you about this gentleman that's playing with us tonight. It's a new member of Leonard Skinner, his name is Steve Gaines over here. He's from Oklahoma, he's old Okie. Watch out, I'm sick of Okie on you. What are we going to do? We're going to do an old song by Jimmy Rogers, called Give Me a T for Texas, a T for Tennessee, huh? Put your hands together on this Stop now. let hey. I just want to say there is no uh, modern-day equivalent to the guitarists and uh, the music of the days gone by, and I so much appreciate the fact that I was there to hear it and that a lot of it that I wasn't there to hear is still around to be heard. <laughs> oh, yeah, a little Leonard Skinner for you there. That one in particular, Give Me a tea for Texas, my many followers, I have one, my very best friend, lives in Texas, and so obviously I think you could tell that was probably for you. I hope you enjoyed it. End of the show, there's another uh, another good selection, not going to tell you what it is, but I will tell you that the guitar, once again, oof, boy, just gets the heart thumping. Good morning to you, good Monday morning to you, hope everything is well, hope your weekend was good. Hope you went to church yesterday. I will not tell a lie. I did not go. Had a terrific headache. So I decided to uh, forego the uh, church. Anyway, that being said, to paraphrase Ronnie Van Zant, what podcast is it you want to hear? Let's Talk, okay? Let's Talk is the name of the show, and I am Mike. My email address, if you want to correspond, is mike one at gmail.com. Let's talk, M-I-K-E, the number one, at gmail.com. And the podcast for today, in whom is your faith? Right? Who do you put your faith in? That's a personal question that only you can answer, but be honest with yourself. Be honest. Be true. Okay? All right. So let's get started with our prayer, and then we'll get going with the show. Dear Heavenly Father, in whom is our faith? In whom is my faith? Who do I look to, Lord? Who do I know has the answer? Who do I know with no doubts has my best interest at heart? There are many, Lord, who come and prophesy. There are many who come and speak and they tell lies, Lord. They are deceptors, deceivers, liars, cheats, and thieves. But I know you, O Lord, only you, Lord by your word, by your eternal grace and mercy and love for us. I know that you are my rock. You are my comforter. And as it is written, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. And I thank you so much in the name of Jesus. Amen. Excuse me. Amen and amen. So, First scripture for today, Isaiah chapter 1, and it says this, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. O sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, and they are gone away backwards. It also says in the Scripture later on in the Scriptures, as we have all gone astray, like sheep, we've all gone astray. You know, this is, okay, uh, obviously he's talking to Israel here, but again, this is one of those those scriptures where if you took the name, you know, Israel and replaced it with any nation or any individual, it, it comes out the same, absolutely the same. They were no different and they are no different than we are. They had no other sin than we have. They have no other issues than we have. You know, I mean, it's all the same. And so in the same way to them, the Lord is saying to us, that we are a sinful nation laden with iniquity, seed of evildoers, corrupters that have forsaken the Lord. Pray forgiveness, pray for mercy. Pray for the loving kindness and the, and the grace. Pray for the blood of Jesus to wash you clean of your sins and repent. So our first story is going to be about um, the pro football player who called for COVID jab resistors to be jailed has been found dead. Okay, so this is what he says. Let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running ASAP. We're seeing children die daily from the unvaccinated selfishness. Pregnant women at risk too. Protect life. Mandate the vaccine. Jail anyone who refuses to protect life. Again, this was a quote from... Former football player, I think I say his name right, I hope I will, Yuchi Narnari, N-W-A-N-E-R-I, 38 years old, played for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the National Football League, and he had adopted this extreme position on the COVID shots, wanted everybody and anybody that didn't get one to go to jail. No no questions. What's that, hon? Yeah, yeah. my wife just says Mind you, she's being facetious and sarcastic, but she said that's because he's an expert. Then there you go. Everybody was an expert. What's that, hon? Right. And another one that in the end knew nothing about it. So he had this extreme position. So now they're saying he was found unresponsive of his home on December thirtieth in Indianapolis. Uh, by his wife found him, and the an autopsy report says. There were no sounds of foul play. Now, here's where you got to start asking yourself some questions. The preliminary results suggest a possible heart attack, and that's pending toxology results. I got to remind you, hundreds of young athletes, mostly men, have reported heart malfunctions, sometimes fatal, during their sports activities. And many... Many have just simply died. I mean, what's that? No, I was going to get to that. And um, she just, you know, said, not just athletes. And that's the other thing. This is is across the spectrum. Athletes and non-athletes. Just standing there, yeah, standing there, supposedly a healthy individual and just, you know, drops dead. They're dead before they hit the floor. You know, <laughs> it's not a coincidence. It's not. Oh, isn't that ironic? Or what? No. There's a connection here. All right. Now, every single one of these people, or okay, I'll say ninety-nine point nine percent. I'll give you the benefit of any doubt. Had the COVID vaccine, and and most likely the boosters. This is also, unfortunately, hitting the young people. They're silencing the facts. And the reason is when the facts don't suit your agenda or when reality is so ugly that you can't bear to face it, what do you do? You, you, you become one of the sheep that must silence those facts. All right? All right. This past Monday night, millions all over the world watched as the, the um, 24-year-old collapsed dead on the Cincinnati football field in one of the biggest NFL games of the season. I mean, he was dead. He died actually, I guess, twice because he died later on too. They brought him back. They had the automatic defibrillator on him. Man, if you ever worked with one of those, I'll tell you, that's something <laughs> that's your chest. But they brought him back and then he died again. I mean, I hope he survives and, and, and everything and he comes through this. Apparently, they said that this condition, supposedly that he, they, they think is part of the problem, only 3% even survived. But, anyways, DeMar Hamlin is fighting for his life and we should be praying for him. But, like, literally, uh, thousands of other athletes and, and people in general who have suddenly and inexplicably dropped with cardiac arrest around the globe. And you got to reasonably ask, could this be vaccine related? Now, I think you know that the NFL, back to that again, forced all players to take this uh, these injections. Just three months ago, the famed defensive end, J.J. Watt, had to have his heart shocked back into rhythm after going into post vaccine AFib. Now he was one of the first players to ask the most obvious question. After watching Hamlin fall to his death on live TV Monday night. For the record, again he coded not once, but actually I misquote, three times. And like everyone else who asked the most obvious questions, Watt was immediately attacked by the by the you know, the agenda seekers for asking the right question out of a deep concern for Hamlin and every other NFL player who was forced to take the experimental RMNA injections in order to continue their careers. Now, who is most concerned about the health and well-being of Hamlin and every other athlete forced vaccinated? The people to seek answers to what we are witnessing or those trying to silence those questions? Which doctors care most about their patients? Those going along to get along to protect their careers while continuing to support lethal injections, or those desperate to find answers to the many irregularities surrounding the vaccine since early 2021? This reminds me of after 9-11, there were those who spewed the uh, typical baloney or BS, I'm going to say. I don't care. That was coming from the media and the government and everything else. And then there were those that were, they were, they were under pressure to shut up and don't say anything who were asking the, the obvious question. It's the same sort of thing. And in the same way, guess what? Those who started asking the questions, those who started questioning the official, uh, you know, documents or statements, whatever you want to call it, propaganda, they ended up being the ones that were right. They were the ones that ended up being vindicated. Doesn't matter because, you know, no, more lies and more deceit and deception come along. But, you know, these these are the kind of people somewhat like, you know, God <laughs> speaks in a still, small voice, quiet and easy, you know, Same sort of thing. Maybe we should start shouting and screaming and yelling. America is going to collapse. Because bottom line, no longer capable of freedom. I can't believe I live in a country that allows elections to be so blatantly stolen. To allow politicians to lie and deceive and so forth and so on with no no checks and balances whatsoever zip, zero, to throw the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, and consider them just, you know, not even noteworthy pieces of paper. Thomas Jefferson, who obviously lived at the early age or the early times of our our country during the revolution and stuff, he said it best. Those who expect to be both ignorant and free... (laughs) Expect what never was and never will be. We're not suited for freedom. We're like a bunch of sheep that have no guidance, no shepherd. God talks about that all the time in the Old Testament. And he blames the shepherds for the sheep's lack of direction. See, sheep must be herded by their keepers kept alive and fattened up until the time of slaughter. I'd like to describe most Americans in nicer terms but today I can't. I got to be honest, I've seen too much lying and 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 so forth that it, it only perpetuates the problem. Time and again these people that are supposedly uneducated can't tell you anything except for the same thing that somebody else said. They don't think for themselves. See, like sheep being herded by their gatekeepers. You see, America was not built by any go-along-to-get-along cowards or mindless sheep stuck in the herd. That's not what this country is founded on. And it can't be saved by them either. In the end, they won't be able to save even themselves. All right? It's like the herd of pigs that suddenly found themselves the recipients of the demons that Jesus had cast out of an individual. And without rhyme or reason, (laughs) they all just flung themselves off the cliff to their death. This is like what they're doing. But they don't know that they're, you know, they don't know why they started running like that, and they don't know why they can't stop themselves, even if they try, because they're too far gone, over the edge. And these are the people that are supposed to be there to take care of us, and you know, see us, our good, our you know, the, they have our goodwill and our, our whatever, you know, in their minds. No, they don't. They're just part of the herd, and they want us to be part of the herd. And I refuse. I, I'm not doing it. My wife and I both we stood our ground from day one, and we have not changed. We resisted and did not give up. I've had issues with my family, or both of us, you know, together, with certain members of our family and friends saying things to us. I never thought I'd hear those people say. I never thought that kind of, I guess, almost hatred in a way could be spewed from their mouths like it was towards us or, you know, either one of us individually. It was crazy. I went for how long? Hey, hon, how long did I go before I saw mom? I didn't see mom for like two years, right? Three years. Over three years. Didn't see her. Well, let me let me correct that. I saw her while sitting in my car. Now, I want you to understand. While sitting in my car, both my wife and I, with a mask on, in my car, probably 20 20 feet or so or more from where my mother sat on the porch with a mask on, too, talking by phone. I got to be honest. (laughs) That had to be the most asinine moments, some of the most asinine moments in my life perpetuated by the lies and the garbage that were coming out of the media. And you know what? I finally decided enough is enough. And I guess I am at my own, my own doing I, you know, I spoke with my wife about it and things. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I will not do that. It was so inhuman. You know, I had come, I don't know how many thousands of miles to move to where my mother and my brothers and sisters were, my wife and I both, lock, stock, and barrel, dogs in the car, you know, off we go. And I couldn't even put my arms around my mom and give her a hug. I got to tell you, you talk about a broken heart. And and, and any compromise was out of the question, not even close. So, you know, I digress from that. I'm just saying this whole COVID thing and everything else has done nothing but destroy families, destroy businesses, destroy careers. And yet everybody seems to think that it was a necessary, I guess you could say evil. No, it was just evil. (laughs) It it was necessary for them. It was part of the, you know, this is how we're going to do these other things by you know, creating this virus the way we have so it was beneficial to them and it was a necessity to them, all right? There was nothing good that came out of that for us at all. In fact, we're still under the deception and lies, you know, supply problems and pricing and, I mean, just name it. And if you believe for one single daggone minute that any of that is right and worth our quote-unquote safety, well, then you're nothing more than one of the sheep, and you're going to go over the cliff with the rest of them. I digress. Here's another one, another confession from uh, Uncle Joe up there in the White House. This one concerns the Keystone XL pipeline and how it hurt America. These are Biden. This is from Biden himself. And in a required report that was released without even any public notification, so there you go, the Biden administration has confessed that the president's decision to kill the Keystone pipeline, XL pipeline, part of his larger war against the American energy industry, cost billions and hurt families. See, this is why it's important when I say to you, just to make a little note on that, what i just what i just said why it's so important you do your research why it's so important you do your you're looking things up or asking questions and don't be afraid do it all right because this was released without any public notification or fanfare but thank god you know a little bit of searching on the internet or asking google certain questions Thank God you still find out what's really going on. So according to a Fox News report, the details are from a congressionally mandate report highlighting the positive positive economic effects or benefits that the pipeline would have had if President Biden didn't revoke its federal permits. Now this report from the Department of Energy Fox News has reported, confirmed the project. Now pay attention. Confirmed the project would have created uh, between 16, well, let's say over 16,000 and from over 16,000 to over 59,000 jobs and would have benefited America's economy to the tune of up to... Da, da, da 9.6 billion. Hoo-ah! But, you know, it's not part of our plan, so we got to revoke all their federal permits. Anyway, as a previous report from the federal government published in 2014 determined, it said that 30 over 3,900 3, direct jobs and over 21,000 total jobs would be created during construction, which was expected to take two years. That's on top of the other numbers that I said would have benefited the economy overall at a tune of 9600000000 billion. I'm going to take a sip of coffee while you try to put that together in your head. Because, <laughs> Man. This is just dumb and dumber over over and across everything. And nobody seems to think twice about it. You know, they talk about you're insulting their intelligence or their education or whatever. Well, I'm sorry to point out that you wasted your money at Harvard or wherever the daggone you went. Because if you're buying this without even asking any questions, well, then I guess actually you don't deserve any freedoms. You don't deserve... And he writes, you see, well, no, here, let me take my copy here and then we'll get moving. Okay, hang on. This is like Helter Skelter in America. If you look across America between 2020 and say 2022, and you know, we're heading into 2023. You are watching, and <laughs> this is—you're watching Charles Manson's health or Skelter Mayhem playing out in big and small cities across the land, in the halls of our government. You got mass shootings, you got school shootings. There's been a few more, like within the last couple of days. Some kid just banged off his teacher, like a first, or you know, like an elementary school kid. You have individual mass murderers. Idaho, four young college kids, one dead, nine slashed in Times Square on New Year's Eve. That one by an Islamic follower. And then you got one dead and another nine more shot in Philadelphia's New Year massacre. And then just throw in the two dead and four others shot in Ocala, Florida on New Year's Day. Thankfully, hopefully... This issue with the four young college kids is going to be resolved shortly or whatever because they have the perpetrator, they have the, you know, the, the, the suspect in custody. And then, of course, I don't want to leave this out. The usual shootings and deaths in Chicago continue. <laughs> That's like a, I mean, oh, man. So, but this is the norm. This has become normal. This is why we're numb to it, and we don't react like we should when we hear about it, because it's part of that paradigm, paradigm shift. The easy things into your conscience, into your life, into your mind, to the point where it doesn't affect you like it should You should be outraged. You should be standing up and, you know, slamming your fist on the table and saying, no more. But we don't see that at all, at all. Charles Manson, I got to be telling you, as they say to (laughs) an old adage, is not only rolling in his grave, but he's smiling as he does it. Satisfied that what he had to say came true. you don't know anything about Manson, you know, you could look it up. I'm not going to get into it, but it fits. So here's the thing. As Nero stood watching Rome burn, so now Joe Biden has accelerated America's decline into a third world country and, you know, no end in sight. We got over a hundred thousand homeless in California. Four hundred thousand more just across the country that they know of, that they can count. Now, he's imported over six point one million. Understand that number. Six point one million more homeless across our now vanished southern border. And I'm telling you, gone. They took those uh oh shoot rail carriers. Uh, what's her name, Hobbs, right, in Arizona, that border is wide open. They just walk across. There's nobody there watching. And he did this 6.1 million in just 24 months. And again, those are the ones that are being counted. Any Border Patrol agent will tell you, we have no idea the real number, We know we counted this many, but we're not even sure about that number because they were getting biased as we were trying to count. And at the same time that this goes on, Congress imported another 2 million called immigrants. So that's, here we go, 8.1 million added third world people who are leeching $338 billion in welfare benefits out of your tax dollars annually you gotta I hope understand this like I forget what election it was and they said it's about the economy stupid well yeah that's yeah it's about the economy because these are the people that are taking your jobs number one when's the last time you called customer service and spoke to somebody that spoke English all right and, you know, when you see the employees in the different department stores and so forth and so on, they're not quote-unquote, you know, born-here Americans. No, they're immigrants. I, I guarantee it. All right? And they barely speak English. I roam around Walmarts when I can't find something looking for somebody that looks like they're, they speak English so that I can ask them where it is. And I spend time doing that as well as then go find the product that they tell me where it is. It's insane. Helter Skelter, right out of Manson's playbook. You know, they jailed Manson until he died. And rightfully so. And they talk about impeaching Biden for his violation of U.S. constitutional law. If they really plan on doing that, I wouldn't waste any time. Because God knows what could happen that would stop you from being able to do it. I mean, think about this. Congress impeached Trump for one phone call to the Ukraine. And here we have Biden's son siphoned off millions of petrol dollars on his father's name. Now that the truth of that matter has come out, I don't see anything. Well, I mean... Okay, benefit of the doubt. They just, you know, got sworn in and everything. There's another one. What a fiasco that frickin' uh, Speaker of the House thing was. But that's another another issue. Maybe something will happen. I don't know. Since they're there now, I don't know. But all I'll say is this to keep moving along. The Biden crime family, I think, is greater than Al Capone's. All right? I, I think that many a monster would be, like, starstruck by the Bidens. Let's do another scripture. Let's go into the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, 32nd chapter, 8th verse. Now, I read out of the King James Version, um, so that's why I say it the way I do. Anyways, moving along. Deuteronomy 32, 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam... He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Now, interesting, that was changed to the children of Israel, to the number of the children of Israel, the sons of Israel. Well, Israel didn't exist. And originally it was the sons of God because, truth be told, The sons of God, so hierarchy type angels and whatnot, were given authority over mankind when God divided mankind um, after the flood, when he separated them by language and so forth. All right. And that's how it worked out. That's how the nations came into existence, if you want to, you know, ever wonder. Anyways, moving along. So be careful moving along. Be careful going forward. You see, since the dawn of history, human society um, was producing eras, you know, just decades and decades and centuries, probably maybe even, of chaos and confusion. And much of this was due to the increase of what? Of pagan and or secular agendas. I mean, I got to, you know, tell you, when you see those things in a society, you'll see those problems that you know, chaos and confusion. You see? And when I say pagan, I include all the monotheistic religions as well. Quite honestly, you have to. There's a lot of religions out there that are, well, I got to say it satanic. They're definitely not Christian. Let's put it that way. Let's take a quick look at Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. And this will tell you exactly what God thinks of any religion. And it says this, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, this is part of what we read earlier, have forsaken the Lord and provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger, they have gone away backwards. So here we continue. Why should ye be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You see that Here's the thing. The notion that religion is the answer to the world's problems was proven wrong time and time again. If anything, many of the most bloody wars in our history started with a religious cause. And some of the longest wars in history or ongoing conflicts have a religious cause. So what does the Bible say about all this? Well, Bible prophecy is not about nations and their affairs with one another, But rather about the nations and their relations with Israel. Now, an interesting point I want an interesting fact I want to point out. When Paul the apostle became an apostle, you know, when Paul had his Damascus Road uh, experience and became a believer, do you know that his mission was to reach those? It was seventy nations where. The descendants of Abraham, the sons of Israel in this case, were in the dysphoria. In other words, they were, you know, outside of Israel. They were living elsewhere. And Paul, you know, he was determined that he was going to visit all of those areas to be able to tell those people, the, the sons of Israel, about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ. So, you know, you, you you may wonder, was there any rhyme or reason to his routes and where he went? Yeah, there was. There was big rhyme and reason. Big rhyme and reason. So, would that be the case, when we look at the world, okay, the world has gotten bigger and has spread out more than what Paul knew and so forth and so on. But the bottom line is, it's the nations and our relation or their relations to Israel. In other words, apart from the global trends described by Jesus in Luke 21 as part of the end times, you know, he talked about there would be wars and rumors of war. There would be deception, natural disasters, sickness. There would be just a general human deterioration. And this is also described by Paul in letters to Timothy, you see, we must watch and see what's going on with the nations and Israel. Got to keep Israel in mind. All right? That's the key factor right there. If you want to know the key to the puzzle or, you know, it's Israel. Now, these, these, you know, even though I have words of, you know, distress and discomfort, they're actually, believe it or not, words of encouragement with the warning. You know, I, I, I warn you, I tell you, but then I always try to make sure I, I encourage you. I don't leave you feeling beat up, you know, or something. And this encouragement regards the validity, accuracy, and authenticity of the Bible and how all the promises regarding his soon return are to be shortly fulfilled. There are warnings to stay away from sensationalism, you know, different kinds of videos or visual sins and sources of confusion, intimidation, and deception. It's what I'm trying to reach out to you about. Each and every one of my shows is based on that sort of, you know, the, the way the Lord leads me to, you know, give a warning, but then encouragement, okay. You got to know what's going on before you can take care of business. <laughs> to coin a phrase, right? The revolution, don't we ever have a revolution? The revelation of the truth of the situation has exposed the lies and caused them to unravel and lose a lot of the power that they had to deceive. See, our awareness and our prayers And our pushing back does have an effect. It does cause them to rattle. But on the other hand, it also (laughs) warns them that we're doing something against them or about their agenda. And, you know, they're not just going to sit back and go, oh, okay, (laughs) no, I talked about that before. So you see, whether it's a false flag or a NATO member state seeking to capitalize on an accident of war, the false information initially promoted could lead to disastrous consequences, such as World War III, believe it or not. This is, you know, I mean, some of the greatest tragedies of human history happened due to the dissemination of a big lie. All right? For our purposes, an example... The false story promoted in twenty, uh, yeah, okay, 2002 was that Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein possessed and was amassing biological and chemical weapons of mass destruction to use against us and our allies. So this led to the march, you know, and the invasion of Iraq and so forth and so on. And it was just nothing more than the devastation of a country and tens of thousands of deaths. And quite honestly, Saddam Hussein was one of the world leaders and subsequently his country that would not would not adhere to the rules or become a slave to the World Bank. Aha! Did you know that? You look at these countries that they're trying to subjugate. They're not members of the... You know, they're, they're not members. And just like Trump, who wasn't a member... Oh no no we can't have non-members in here, no no no. Just thought you might be interested in knowing that. And the interesting thing here about what I just said—they never found anything. Not a damn thing. But I, I tell you, with telling you that all lies aren't equal. Here's the biggest one ever uttered, and it was by the deceiver himself. And he told it to Adam and Eve. He told them if they wanted to be like God, understand things like God, and see things like God, and know things like God. All they needed to do was disregard word and eat the fruit. That's in Genesis 3, right? But instead of gaining the power, they saw what happened. Next thing you know, they got a real eye-opening experience, and they were in the end, separated from God. They were infected with a sinful nature, and now they're subject to death. And the broken fellowship, with its widespread and just absolutely catastrophic results, was passed down to all people, since we, were, we are all descendants of Adam. In the end, we all have the same ancestors. Now, this doesn't mean that we're as evil as we can be, but it does mean that sin is extended to every aspect of our being. So it may not be considered, quote-unquote, evil, but it's sin. And because of this, this nature, this sin nature, everyone just, well, sins. And it causes human beings to hurt and kill one another, amongst other things. But the biggest problem is it keeps us separate from God. And unfortunately, even though he loves us as much as he does, it puts us under his condemnation. I want you to read Romans 5 and Colossians 5, 1 Corinthians 15 to learn more about that. But here's the, here it is, right? Again, God and his love. For all humanity provided the way. Notice I said the way, not a way. There's a difference. For salvation from this situation and reconciliation with him is the way by sending his son Jesus into the world to die for our sins on the cross. You read that in John 3.16. The most precious and gracious gift ever given by anybody to somebody else was given by God to anyone who trusts in Jesus alone. His sinless life, death on the cross for sinners, and bodily resurrection from the dead. Mic drop. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I think that's quite honestly one of the most inspiring or motivating scriptures for my walk with the Lord. You know? I mean, I don't know if this is a good analogy, so I'm not going to say it. Okay, I'm going to say it. Take a boxer. A boxer has all kinds of things to say about his opponent, blah, blah this and blah, blah that. And I just say, well, let's see when you get in the ring. (laughs) That's when, you know, the metal hits the road, the rubber hits the road, as they say. So I guess in a somewhat generic or whatever sense, when Jesus said that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, well, you know what sealed that for me was the resurrection. Boom, mic drop, bam, bam. There is no other way. And there's nothing any of us can do or bring to the table in addition to what God has granted through Jesus Christ. Only faith in what he has already done. That's all you got to have. And I know it's not always easy. There's all kinds of things that can distract you from that. A key tool the devil uses to make a point in his efforts to keep us separated from God, well, basically is just another big lie. He promotes the idea that if a person's good works outweigh his bad works, or something of that nature, their entrance to paradise after death is granted. And that's that's just a big lie. All over the world and in many religions and philosophies, variations of this belief are, are more than just common. He has even persuaded many professing Christians, that's Satan's persuaded them, of a similar deception. They they mix things together, like faith in Jesus, plus the performance of certain rituals and good works will gain entrance to heaven. The Catholics are big on that. That always confused me growing up as a Catholic. Well, if you put this much, you know, about Jesus Christ, why do I need to worry about doing any of this? Well, it wasn't until I was old enough to make my own decisions, you know, I decided... So this is the essence of one or two religions in the world. Bottom line, all right? Religion is pretty much a man-made thing. Faith comes from, you know, it's different. And so anyways, the essence of one of two religions in the world, one portrays salvation as being achieved by a person's good works or anything else of that nature, rituals and so forth and so on, and the other proclaims that Salvation is received by trusting solely in the merits of someone else. And that person is Jesus Christ. And the reason is for the forgiveness of all sins and permanent and eternal reconciliation with God. And guess what? Entrance into his heavenly kingdom. So, you know, salvation by personal performance may seem right to most of the world. But it's not, you know, it doesn't cut the mustard, as they say, all right? This big lie leads to some serious and permanent outcomes, which is, well, yeah, hell. It is the broad way that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7. He says this, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. You know, in an illustration of the point, we all must come to God in the way he determines for salvation and not our own ways. Okay? I mean, for me, I came to God while playing basketball with my, my uh, you know, lifelong friend. But it's different for everybody. Jesus told the parable of a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. That's in Matthew 22. And the servants were sent out to invite all they could find. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. And the only requirement for entry to the marriage celebration was the adornment of wedding garments supplied by the king. And when the king saw a man among the guests not wearing the required attire, he confronted him and then had him cast out of the wedding hall into outer darkness. The wedding garments, pay attention now, the wedding garments represented the righteousness of Christ. The man, rejecting the righteousness of Jesus, sought to enter on his own terms according to his own righteousness, and he was rejected. The belief that a person does not need Jesus and can enter heaven due to his own good deeds or that faith in Jesus is not enough and his righteous works are needed to supplement to gain salvation is one of the most grievous lies that Satan tells. It just so many people are in hell because of it. Saddens me. I got one more scripture for you and I'm going to end the show. Now, apparently, you know, obviously the show ran longer than the normal half hour, but I, you know, I got to tell you something before I get to this last scripture. Every time I used to sit in church, or for a long time, every time I sat in church, you know, it's always the half an hour thing, or, you know, and, and man, they're on schedule, right? And I always said to myself, I would rather go to a church where there is no set time because hopefully the pastor's being led by the Holy Spirit, and I guess, you you know, you could say when the Holy Spirit's done talking, then the service is over. I remember we used to go to this Messianic congregation, and the rabbi used to always, you know, joke around, but seriously, you know. He says, why do you worry about how long, you know, you're going to sit there? It's the Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing anything else anyways. And why else, you know, what would, what would you rather be doing than hearing and celebrating and enjoying the Word of God? And I said, amen. So my shows are longer than they were to begin with. But the Lord's got something he wants to say, and he's saying it through me, and I'm saying to you what I've learned over the years, as well as what the Lord's taught me and shown me. Well, he's taught me and shown me all of it. So that's that. Isaiah chapter 1, Bring no more vain oblations, incenses and abomination unto me, The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, They shall be as white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I think that's the key verse. If ye refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with the sword. No, actually, the one before it, starting with. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If not, done. Pretty plain and simple, isn't it? I think so. God bless everybody. Hey, if it's too long or whatever, let me know and we'll get back to the way we were. But this is how it is for now. I hope you appreciate the show. I sure appreciate you listening. God bless. I love you all very much in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Alex Cooley, and especially the people of Atlanta for letting us do a live album here. We couldn't think of a better place to do it.